Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 92 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today, once again, is Jim O'Kane, the godfather of the Movies by Minute uh, community, and he's, he's done a ton of them, so we're, we're not even going uh, through the whole list right now. No, welcome back, uh, Jim. Uh, thanks for having me on, Rob. I, I, I love this movie. As you know, I just did one of these uh, podcasts about uh, about Die Hard, and it's always interesting to revisit and, and re- reflect on it. Yes. So Minute 92 begins with John greeting the stranger and ends with John offering asylum to this stranger as uh, the stranger, who we know is Hans, looks on evilly. So yeah. y- yesterday we, we ended things with, uh, you know, Hans finishing to, to look for, for, you know, look at the wires jumping onto the ground, noticing... Uh, someone with bare feet and then noticing a gun pointed in his face. He looks up and we get to see it's Bruce Willis, which obviously we're not too surprised that it's John McClane. And John then says to him, hi, hi there. How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, he's very friendly for, for somebody who should normally be more suspicious at this point. Like he, you know, you, you mentioned it a little bit yesterday at the end of the minute about, you know, we don't know what John really thinks at this point. You know, is he being fooled by this whole uh, by, by the, this whole act that Hans is doing, or is he just playing along and knows that there's something nefarious going on here? Yeah, I would think that you know he's a New York City cop. He should be suspicious of everybody. Everybody's a perp. Every, you know, it's like he's just he shouldn't be trusting in this situation yes. especially he, since there have been so many people trying to kill him he's um, far too friendly <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's like just put him in cuffs or whatever and well uh, he doesn't have cuffs you know, he doesn't have, no, I know. He yeah. doesn't have socks he doesn't have yeah cuffs. <laughs> yeah exactly but you know it's like i'd say you've got a gun on him you can tie him up or something like that until you figure it out show me some id yeah <laughs> don't don't trust you know don't trust his word on it um it's uh but again, if he did that, then we wouldn't have the rest of the movie. So yeah. that's correct. That's very true. That it it all goes with the script. That's what's in the yeah, movie. yeah. It's and, um it, right. And Hans yeah. does Hans does a great job of of just swiftly changing his his persona and acting very scared. And he yeah. goes, "Oh, please, God, no! You're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. Don't don't kill me, please. Don't, please." Don't kill me! Don't kill me, please. I mean, I think he he overdoes it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's um well, and he's, he sounds very I, hysterical the way that he's acting here. And he's from what I understand with Alan Alan Rickman, he hated doing this American accent. He said, "I can't do an American accent," but they had him do it anyway. And it's just I I keep thinking he's drawing on that nervous energy. It's like, oh, I hope this works. I think it's just he's he's you know he's using that to leverage his uh, uh his performance here it's um i i can appreciate trying to get that american accent out he's doing it a lot better than say dick van dyke did and mary poppins doing a cockney accent but uh <laughs> it, it's uh i i used to work i used to work for a, a british aircraft company and um when when i was working in england uh i would always have uh brits come up and try out their american accents on me and it's always interesting how they the, the parts of the words that they over enunciate to get the american sound and uh, 
one one of the words that they that they um, that they love trying out is the word Tuesday, which uh, they exaggerate the 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 U in and say Tuesday. And I'm hearing that in uh, Rickman's performance here, where he says you're one of them. It's like this right. over. It's a very uh, open mouthed you, um, but it's it, it's funny to see that as you know one of the first sentences out of his mouth is the word you are one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but, but be- beautiful performance. And again, this is almost like you know, it's not for an action movie. It's pretty funny. And he's, this is like just funny how he's doing this over you know over overacting job of cowering. Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, he even, he even is, gets to the point where you think he's fake crying. Yeah, you know, by the by the way that he's doing it. You know, I mean, Rickman does a great job. Uh, with with he does a great job in this movie as a whole, but this particular thing he's he's able to fake it really well. Yeah, yeah, he's um just the moaning and the the the, uh, the 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 calling out and stuff. He's just it's 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 nice being over it. It gives it gives Bruce Willis something to act against to sound calm and reason. It's like no, it's okay. You know, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. Right. And and um, you also notice that John moves towards him and he moves back. You know, he like scampers backwards in order to try and get away. Yeah. Um, and then like John is, it looks very confused as this is going on. Like what is going on here? Who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. His, he's really having a problem assessing the situation or trying to, you know, he was expecting to, to meet up with more, um, you know, um, platinum blonde terrorists. And yes. here's this guy in a suit. <laughs> and um it does, you know, none of none of this makes any sense. He doesn't seem like the kind of, you know, he he doesn't seem part of the team. He isn't wearing, uh, you know, a black turtleneck and things like that. He isn't wearing heist clothes. Yes. Um. Yeah, but and he's wearing a suit, so therefore yeah. that could mean that he's, you know, he is one of the executives. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so then John says to him, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Relax, relax. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you." You know, in a very reassuring type of of tone that uh, you know he's trying to calm him down and he you know hans calms himself down pretty quickly from that point you know because now hans realizes who he's dealing with here and then uh yeah. he goes oh, oh god and then john turns to him and says what the f- are you doing up here what were you looking for and he goes I, I i managed to get out of there and and well i was just trying to get up on the roof and see if i could signal for help you know and I mean, again, he he says it very convincingly. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you can't, you, you know, little old me kind of a thing. That he's not, it's not, uh, he's no threat. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's just sim- just simple to uh, uh, to uh, for him to be a. Uh, yeah, he's not. He's trying to be as harmless as possible, but in being as harmless as possible, he also is trying to be forceful enough to get McLean to follow him back to where the pistol and the um, and the uh, flashlight, the, yeah, the flashlight. <laughs> so you know, and which we see in the in the foreground. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, so it, it's like he's he's kind of tra- he's kind of trapped himself here because he has to seem like. Uh, you know he's wishy-washy and he's not you know go with the flow kind of a thing and he's a scared he's scared but now he has to be assertive enough to get McLean to come back so he can you know take charge and and find out where well he can't you know again he can't kill McLean 
because he's got to get those detonators. So he's also in a, you know, the stakes for him are he can't kill McLean because he's got to know where the detonators went. And, uh, but he still has to take charge of the situation because McLean's the one with the gun. Right. Um, okay. You, you're, you're correct. But if he's looking directly at McLean, he'll see that he is carrying Heinrich's bag, which he can assume has the detonators in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he can, he could guess that that is, but he doesn't know it for certain. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking. Correct. He could have stayed they, they both, somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful setup for the unknown of how much, um, you know, how much has to get, how much has to get, uh, how much information needs to be gleaned by either side. Um, so they're both at a disadvantage, which is beautiful. It's, yeah. I mean, this is where you want to go in a script because you can understand the stakes for both of them. You don't, there's no, all the cards, at least to the audience, all the cards are on the table. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, kind of like if you watch episodes of Columbo, Columbo, you already know who the murderer is, what's happened. And then you have to see how he figures Columbo's it out. Gonna, yeah. How he figures it out. So uh, in, in, this is kind of the uh, the Columbo method of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like the fact also that, that, you know, Hans starts pulling himself up as he's cowering back in order to get to the other side, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And then he, like, points in the direction of where his gun is and goes, it's just through here. Why don't you come and help? Help with what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is well, he? I mean, it's. Like is he saying come and help me to signal? Yeah, it's. Um, it just sounds yeah, a very yeah. strange saying it that way. Yeah, he doesn't have a good enough story to get uh, uh, to get him to follow along. It's like right. you've got to, you know, if he had said something like, "My coworker Debbie is, uh, you know, down the hall here, and if you could take a look at her and see if there's any way we could help her." You know, that's I think that would have been a better plan for him to to get him along because he, he's looking for people that he can rescue and, you know, things that he could save. Right. Um, but right. Yeah. But he's 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 not thinking that much uh, on his yeah. feet. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but uh, so, no, but like he tries to get John to, to go in that direction. And then they give us a great shot because you see Hans now in 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 the background, but in the foreground. You see that 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 small little corridor, and you're able to to see that the the gun is just sitting there. Yeah. You know, and you can see the edge of the flashlight too, if he wants to, you know, use that to to hit John over the head with. Yeah, yeah it's it's just <laughs> it's just waiting. You know, it's like the it's like the scissors in uh, Dial M for murder. It's like here's the thing: if you get that, you can you know kill the guy. Um, right. So it's yeah, it's it's all. Uh, it's set it, up really it, well. Yeah, and and it's a it's a scene within a movie that you know it's it's a movie within itself that there's here's the storyline and is it going to get resolved or not resolved and it does get resolved by forget the roof, um, right? Exactly because because at this point John goes whoa 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 forget the roof, and and but but Hans continues and says come on come on, and then John has to reiterate and says I said forget the roof they got people all over it, come on you want to stay alive you stay with me. Yeah, I, I think uh, Schwarzenegger could uh, sue him for <laughs> for that uh, paraphrase. Um, come with me if you want to live. You know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Well, that, that's actually Michael Bean first, but uh, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Especially in '88, because in '88 yeah. you still hadn't had Schwarzenegger say the line. You had to wait another three years for that. True. It was. Uh, yeah, it, he uh, absconded with it, and then I guess it just passed around to all the action stars of the '80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and again, we, we, they they leave it very ambiguous as to what John really believes here. Yeah, you know, is yeah. he is he saying don't go to the roof because there's someone up there really, or is he saying don't go up to the roof because I don't trust you? Yeah, I mean, how far that I want to first is... see who you are. I want to I want to check you out a little bit more. Yeah, could have asked for an ID, but uh, he he doesn't even know his name yet. So. Um... Well, we'll get there him. later in the week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, you know, he's just trying to sort things out still in his in his mind. Um, but, and, John, uh, but John remains calm the entire time here. Yeah, and he yeah. also knows that there's no, there is no, um, there's no salvation in the roof. He, he he knows that it's not the, it's not getting to the roof that's going to do things. He's got to he's got to figure out how to disable more terrorists, as many as he can get rid of, and just pick them off. Right. Uh, so escape is not is not going to be through the roof. It's going to be by getting you know, <laughs> carving his way through all the uh, all the terrorists. Right. Well, well, John John's uh, goal is not to escape. Yeah. You know, his goal is to to solve the, you know, uh, to to stop everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, because he oh, wants to get his it. wife. You know that yeah. that that's his goal. If he yeah. you know if he wanted to escape, I'm assuming he would have found a way to have escaped right at the beginning. Right. You know, wow. just start, slowly sneak your way downstairs and just go out. Uh, you know, go out where no one's looking. <laughs> yeah, he's only yeah he's only thirty five floors from salvation. So, uh, correct. It yeah it's a uh, yeah and and Gruber never makes a good enough uh, argument to be the leader. So it's uh it it definitely Gruber's fault. That uh, he he hasn't out talked or out thought McLean. McLean's been playing four dimensional chess through this whole uh, incident or you know the event, and uh, Gruber is not keeping up with him. Right. I mean, I've mentioned this numerous times. That the the difference between them is is that John is is playing everything street smart, and Hans is playing everything, uh, I guess you'd say business smart. You know, yeah. He has his whole plan set out. He he knows how he's going to do everything, and he's not as good thinking on his feet. Yeah, he's, he's know, the coyote and the roadrunner. He's just he's got all these massive. You know, you can see the you can always picture the blueprints of how this is what's going to happen next. And uh, he thought ahead. I mean, he understands how the police work, but he doesn't how understand how uh, a New York City policeman, a detective, works. Right. Um. He's he's not on. They're, they're yeah. They're both on different levels of uh. Of, of play right. um, and I mean this movie also sort of makes it seem as if a a New York cop and a potential LA cop would be acting differently in this situation also yeah and it's um, it, it looks like uh, Gruber doesn't deal well with chaos and McLean is nothing but chaotic his his um, his role in all of this is to disrupt he disrupts every everybody's plans. Every everybody he's doing the opposite of what they think that he's going to do. They think that he'd right. run for cover. They think he'd he'd try to get out of the building and you know close close off ways of him for getting out of the building. But that you know like like Darth Vader said, escape is not his plan. So, right. No, but uh, I think part of it is that that Hans doesn't isn't able to figure out why John is still staying there. You know he knows yeah. he knows from the whole thing with Ellis that that. He knows somebody there. You yeah. know, Ellis wouldn't know that he's that his name is John McLean from the New York City Police Department if if he wasn't introduced to him at some point. You know, the fact yeah. that Ellis wasn't able to 
be smart enough to, you know, to just give a poly. <laughs> that would yeah. have been, you know, you, you, you think that that's what he would have done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, fortunately, fortunately for Holly, she didn't take his name or keep his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause, cause Hans is sitting in the office, you know, he would have, he would have walked in and go, Holly McLean. Hmm. Where have I heard that name McLean before? <laughs> uh yeah you, you couldn't even find him in the building directory so that's <laughs> that's right you can you can uh you know you can find your zipper but you can't find uh yeah. <laughs> you can't find holly yeah. mclean <laughs> yeah ah wow um but a great i mean it, this is a great i don't i don't usually like uh tell versus show um but this is a lot of uh a lot of uh, tell, you know, in ex explaining how how each one of them is presenting. For well, McLean isn't lying, but uh, you know, uh, he's not lying, but he's still keeping his cards very close to his chest. Exactly, yeah. Um, and that, that will, will probably change in in the near future, but uh, uh, maybe maybe later this week we'll we'll see that yeah. change a little bit. Who knows? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's um, it, it's intriguing, and I. <laughs> I do know. I mean, we we're talking yesterday about uh, ties. For a guy who's very nervous, um, Hans, as uh, as the uh, Nakatomi employee, is very uh, he, he has a very well well knotted tie. Um, <laughs> he's definitely in much better shape than uh, than Paul Gleason's character. Yeah, that's true. But I, it, maybe it's because he was you know he was at a party. <laughs> yeah, I mean his his cufflinks are also perfect. You, know, uh, you, have, you have the great uh, yeah. amount of of, of shirt. You know, sticking out of uh, the jacket. Yeah, da very dashing '80s guy. I mean, it's yes. uh, yeah. He, although, and he is uh, not uh, prone to the American style, which, as we saw yesterday with the FBI guys and uh, with uh, uh, you know the LAP LAPD detectives, they wear uh, the blue shirts with the uh, mid '80s white collar with the uh, on a blue shirt. Right. So that uh, I think, which I think was in fashion for maybe three months. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, somewhere to apparently, the 80s. apparently in the in in 1987 when they yeah, were I, 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 yeah Christmas <laughs> <laughs> so everybody got right. one of those for uh for their birthday or Father's Day or something. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, I, 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 I love the way that he tries to you know the Hans tries to goad John into a trap. You know, yeah. he's he's here. He's in this situation. We've we, you know you and I have discussed the fact that that he's not really good at at planning things on the spot. But right. he does a nice job of, of making this facade or creating this facade of, of this, this type of character, you know, this, this, this employee who somehow escaped and is really, really scared. And despite this, he's still trying to go John into following him so that he can shoot him. You know, yeah, he's, and, he's yeah. able to, to take on this, this new persona uh, quite well. And how far is this persona from Ellis? I mean, it's, I, I thought he was trying to copy Ellis. I mean, this is this is how if if Ellis was push comes to shove. I mean, he was trying to be be cool with everybody, but if you know he had a gun pointed at his face, I think he would have reacted like this. And uh, Hans is channeling uh, the late great Ellis hmm. in, this, in this minute. Oh, that, that's actually very. Interesting. I never I've never thought about that 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 he's that he is channeling that. Yeah, okay, because he is yeah. acting hysterical. So maybe. Maybe Hans just thinks that that's how all American businessmen act, even though he may yeah. not have realized that Ellis was high at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if you want to, you know, if you want to impersonate a 
a coked out a coked out businessman at a Christmas party. This is this is what it looks like. There um, you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very. Uh, it, it is, and again, this is Alan Rickman at the top of his game. This is one of his. Uh, yeah, one one of his one of his top showcases, and being able to do play this role, being able to be silly, um, after being such a you know this this reserved guy that uh, can uh, you know execute people at the drop of a hat, um, and here you know he also gets to play frantic, uh, uh, cowardly uh, California businessman. Yeah. Uh, amazing <laughs> the the range on this guy. Yeah, for and, sure. And you get the impression that they were both having a lot of fun filming it. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely true. Everyone in this movie looks like they're having fun filming it. I mean, come on, Argyle must be having you know the diverse oh, white at must have had a yeah. really fun time with all of his his uh, scenes. Yeah, and, yeah. And you'd think that also uh, the Johnsons had fun, you know, playing yeah. these type of characters. And each each trying to out deadpan the other. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, it, I've I've never seen the blooper reel for this. I'm sure it exists somewhere, but uh, I can imagine. It, yeah, that's it must have been true. wild. That's probably true. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say before we get into the script? No, I'm I'm pretty pretty far along on on this. There's there's okay. not much to this minute, but it, it does reveal a lot. I yeah. So the the script actually is there's more discrepancies in the script for this minute than there was for yesterday. So first of all, McLean starts not by saying hi there, how are you. He's like, he says, lost. And then it says, uh, a moment. And then Hans turns, looks up. The transformation in his expression and bearing are mind-boggling. Hands shaking, eyes filled with fear. He swallows, looks up at McLean, and in a perfect American accent says, and then they start saying all of it, and he goes, you're one of them. I know it. You know, they they, they, they cut out the, the I know it part of it. And then later on when... He tries to, to get me to go up to the roof. So McLean goes, forget it. They got a guy up there. You want to stay alive? Keep moving? Hey, you hear me? And then it says, Hans realizes this tactic won't work. So he follows McLean. Then Hans says, you, you're, you're an American. And then uh, McLean's friendly, easing the man's fear, says, only if New Jersey counts. <laughs> it says it worked. The poor frightened civilian shows a hint of a smile. <laughs> Wow. So there, there, there are yeah. some some changes there, but it's not yeah. necessary. It works, it works really well in the final cut. So I, I don't think yeah. it really needed that. No, and again, it, it rolls through to show the strength of, uh, you know, what it could po- probably be uh, improv that they're that they're doing here. It's like you got to get from from this point in the scene to this point in the scene, and we'll let you two act it out. Yeah. Um. It's uh yeah it it's it's fascinating seeing seeing this all being uh, spooled out on, on the screen. Um, and I just, you know, it, it really shows the power of what happens if you get two actors who know what they're doing uh, yeah, in front of a sure. camera. No question about that. So every Tuesday we have a segment called off the beaten track holiday edition, where my guests will give a little story, uh, anecdote, uh, adventure, misadventure, something that happened to them, related to a holiday or something like that. I am going to tell you a story that was related to me by Van Dyke Parks. Van Dyke Parks was in a, uh, I, I do, I run a website called tvdads.com and it talks about single dads on television. And one of the, one of the earliest single dad shows on television, American television was uh, a show called Benino and it starred Azio Pinza, who was in uh, 
he was in the role in South Pacific. He played uh, the lead role in South Pacific. Um, and he was the, in the show, he was the father of seven boys. And uh, the actors in the show, one of them was a, 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 a kid, was uh, Van Dyke Parks. He's a composer. He worked with um, uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys and did a lot of things on pet sounds and stuff. Anyway, Van Dyke uh, was kind enough to, to uh, talk to me about this early television show, which was first uh, made in 1952. Uh, at the time, Van Dyke Parks was at a uh, he was at a boarding school in Princeton, New Jersey, it was called the American Boy Choir. And he it's kind of like the Vienna Boys Choir. He, he, he was a singer, and he sang with a bunch of other little boys. And they went all around the country and all around the world singing. And uh, this was, the, the boarding school was on the grounds of Princeton University. And this is in the early 50s. Mm-hmm. At, the same time, at the same time he was there uh, was during the... Uh, 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 when uh, on the faculty was uh, Dr. Uh, Albert Einstein. Oh, wow. And uh, the American Boy Choir would uh, go caroling in Princeton and around the university. And uh, they, so they would go house to house singing Christmas carols. And they got to the home of Dr. and Mrs. Einstein. And uh, they, uh, they stood outside and they started singing, um, they started singing uh, Silent Night in German, in the original German. And uh, Dr. Einstein and uh, uh, his wife were standing out front. And as they started, as they were, as they began singing, uh, uh, Professor Einstein disappeared off the off the front step. And they they, they just kept singing. And uh, all of a sudden, as they as they were getting toward the middle of the verse, they were accompanied by a violin, and it was Albert Einstein on his front steps of his house in the snow playing still a knocked with the, uh, uh, the American boy choir. Uh, and they were, you know, they were accompanied by Albert Einstein on a violin playing, uh, playing the song. And oh, wow. just that, that image of Einstein in the snow with, with a bunch of boys around singing, just amazing. And, uh, I was, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things after you hear that story, it's like, wow, where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Quite, yeah, um, he, uh, I, I find it interesting me... that that uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, Einstein was Jewish, so yeah, but you he, know. <laughs> he knew still, yeah, you know, he knew Silent Night. It, it's yeah. uh, it's pretty easy to play, and I know he was he he played the violin like every day. Apparently, that was his uh, his his relaxation, and um, but you know, the idea of him just coming out to to play along, um, just uh, yeah, it, it's just uh, amazing. He he told me that um. Uh, later on, he uh, the show was filmed in um, it was on the show was filmed at uh, what's now the Renaissance Theater on 46th Street, and uh, uh, it's just off of Times Square. And so uh, Van Dyke used to take a a train from uh, Princeton to Manhattan every uh, once a week when they do well twice a week they do one one rehearsal and they, he'd go back and uh, they do the show uh, which was uh, shown live for nbc and uh one time he saw after after this uh he saw albert einstein on the train going to new york with him oh wow and so he he went up to him and he said uh uh dr einstein would you mind signing an autograph and uh he said i'm sorry i don't i don't do that and one of the other commuters said come on professor the kid 
the kid just wants your autograph. <laughs> so he said, okay, and he he signed a he signed a program for him, and and Van Dyke says he now has that in a uh, in a frame in his in his house, and it's in a frame. As far as I understand, it's the it's the famous picture of Einstein sticking his tongue out, and underneath it, you know, it's like, uh. Albert Einstein. But uh, yeah, those are that's. I, I had never heard, uh, of all things, uh, an Albert Einstein Christmas story. <laughs> Seriously? But, yeah, it's a, it's just a very, very odd, odd little story, but uh, one that's that's great to tell. I, I don't tell it as well as Van Dyke Park does, but uh, but yeah, it's just a... It's you, just you, do, you do a, a good enough job of it, Jim. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, I hope it was entertaining. Yes. It was. It was. Thank you. Thank you very much. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, I am one of the Movies by Minutes uh, people. We do a lot of different shows currently. Well, coming up in February, the, I don't want you to wait for the future, but we're, we've got uh, uh, two shows, a uh, show I'm working on with uh, my good friend Hal Bryan and my uh, new good friend, uh, director Joe Johnston. Uh, we're doing uh, the October Sky Minute, which discusses uh, Joe Johnston's uh, uh, film from uh, 1999. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. That is right. 1999. Uh, Joe Johnston directed film uh, October Sky about the uh, the early days of uh, rocketry and uh, growing up in West Virginia. So uh, we're uh, we're starting that in February of 2023. If you'd like to listen to one of my existing shows uh, featuring Joe Johnston, please check out the Rocketeer Minute, where we go over Joe Johnston's 1991 uh, Disney movie. Uh, which features not only Joe Johnston, but uh, the Rocketeer himself, William Campbell. Billy Campbell is uh, is on our show. He joined us for about 40 episodes. So that's at rocketeerminute.com. Oh, wow. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Around Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, or you can go directly to my website, movieroundminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. yippee ki